Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. The Paperless Platform is a secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based manufacturing system for suppliers that reduces the amount of time spent on sales, estimating, quoting, administration, and order processing. It offers seamless integration with the accounting and ERP software tools that shops already use, such as QuickBooks, E2, and JobBoss. Paperless Parts was founded with a mission to make manufacturing more accessible by streamlining the quote-to-cash process. Spend less time quoting and more time selling. This episode is sponsored by our friends at the NTMA, the National Tooling and Machining Association. The NTMA is an association of privately held, entrepreneurial-based, and family-owned businesses, representing nearly 1,200 small to mid-sized machine shops and tool and die shops across the country. They have approximately 30 very active regional chapters that host local events, run apprenticeship programs, and provide other services to their regional members. As an association of peers, the goal of the NTMA is to help members of the U.S. precision custom manufacturing industry achieve profitable growth and business success in a global economy through networking, workforce development and training, technology, best practices education, advocacy, programs, and services with industry partners. To learn how your company can get involved with the NTMA, including how to join, visit ntma.org. Shazam! This is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. We are very proud to have on the show today one of the top manufacturing educators in the country, Craig Sigalski of Oliva Strum High School in Strum, Wisconsin. Craig heads the Technology Education Department otherwise often known as Tech Ed, at the school, and created and runs Cardinal Manufacturing, a student-run machine shop within the department. It is an incredible feeder of qualified team members for local manufacturing companies. And what I really like about the program is that it doesn't just teach them the skills such as machining and other technical skills, which it does well, but perhaps more importantly, it makes sure they learn and understand employability skills, such as showing up on time. Craig is going to tell us about the program so you have a sense of what it's all about. And then I hope we will be able to give you the necessary platform ideas if you're interested in duplicating some or all of the program in your area or just getting involved in your local high school in their tech ed area. Warning, it's not easy, but it is certainly worthwhile. With that, welcome to the Job Shop Show, Craig. Thanks, Jay. Uh, glad to be here. And where do I start? Question for you first. I actually have a bunch of questions, but why did you decide to go into teaching? I guess I was actually really set. I In high school, our local uh, machine shop came and talked to our class and they wanted to know if anybody was interested. And I applied and I got the job and I started machining in high school and taking machining classes. And hmm. I was all set to be a machinist. And then senior year, I just thought maybe I should try teaching it. So I changed gears and went off to university to get a teaching degree. And so I really got all my teaching technical skills from working. And I worked then at different shops all the way through college, kept coming back home for summers and winters machining and really enjoyed it and just keep teaching machining and welding and kind of metalworking job shop in general for the last, this is year 21. What flipped that switch that you said teaching is for me rather than doing? Yeah. I think I was my senior year, I was really starting to kind of help my tech ed teacher and kind of be helping students and kind of really enjoyed helping kids build stuff and helping, you know, just that whole showing others and it was rewarding to do that. So I just thought maybe I should try that instead of pursuing the actual trade myself of being the machinist. Well, we are certainly better off for you having gone the path of teaching. And as we're talking, this is, of course, audio, but we are on video as well. And behind you are 10 commandments. Can you share with us what these 10 commandments are and who created those for you and why they are important? 
Yeah, it's actually um, one of our many industry supporters of our high school program. It's called the Nexon Company. They're out of Northwestern Wisconsin. And we know their HR people and kind of their manufacturing people a lot. And they're the ones that made these. And they sat down one day and they said, what do we really want in our employees? What are we really looking for? And they wrote down 10 items. And since there happened to be 10, they labeled them the 10 commandments for career success. And they believe them. And I really believe in them. And I've been preaching them to my students. And I show them to everybody and everybody around the state and country I've talked to. And I've had nobody disagree. I mean, they say ultimately what they want. And I ask this question all the time. I go to when I meet people, meet industry people, I say, you know, I'm a tech ed teacher. What can I do in my classroom to prepare my students to be best fit for your company? And they ultimately say the same thing in their own words every time. They say, give me a person who shows up on time every day, reliable, with a good attitude, walks in, a person that will get along with other people. But then when they get there, work hard, actually be busy all day, every day, stay on task, really appreciate and understand the power of paying it for and being a nicer person and just helping people just because it's the right thing to do. Be extremely flexible, be a problem solver, join the club, be proud of your company. Don't whine all day. It doesn't help anything. And then just keep (laughs) learning every single day. Try to learn something new. And if you can do those 10 things, you are a really good middle school student, elementary student, high school student, a good teacher, a good machinist, a good anything, good college student. It seems simple, those 10, but most people I find cannot do all 10, not all day, every day. And so even though I'm teaching technical skills is the main goal or my main job, We bring this in all day, every day to every class, because once the students have that, when the students come to class on time, all day, ready to do work together, teaching is easy. They just go out and they just learn. The kids are smart. But so this is really important to the industry and really important to education. I think it extends even beyond its life skills. If you use those 10 commandments in your life, then you don't have to rely on others to do things for you. You're creating the path for your own success. Definitely, they make you a better team member, more employable, but they're going to help you throughout your life. So Exactly. And they seem so simple on the surface. Right. And they seem so easy and just everybody, but it's just not reality. The majority of people, even today in class, you have people that show up tardy, you know, people that don't show up. I mean, you got people that come in lazy maybe. And so whenever we see it, I'm willing to give up any amount of class time where I maybe should be teaching technical skills. I thought when I started teaching that my job was to come into this school and teach my topic, my technical, my machining, my welding, whatever class I'm teaching at the moment to the highest possible level. In reality, 21 years later, I realized that that's the least important thing I can teach because when I'm teaching a machining course, literally there's 20 kids in front of me, probably two or three are going to be a machinist. So for them, two or three, yeah, that might be important, but for all 20, this is really important. And so I'm willing to take whatever time to stop class, sit down, talk, explain. I'm not yelling at them, do it this way. Cause I told you, so it's, you need to do it this way because, and this is why you need to do this. Cause these are the benefits and the pros of doing it this way. We're going to function better. We're going to actually be way more. And the kids understand that in time. And I think that has been one of my strategies for teaching. And one of my reasons for success is preaching this so hard. And I've had many kids come back and they said, you're, it was great being in tech ed. It was great. These things, but what I really took away and what really I think has made me successful today is those 10 commandments of career success. Love it. With that, perhaps you can tell us the story of the tech ed department at Oliva Strom and how Cardinal Manufacturing got started, how it's all come together and where you are now. I know that's a lot of material to cover, but uh, just let you take it from there. I can tell you that story. I don't think we're unique here. I think it's pretty popular. I know at least in Wisconsin and from what I know across the country, most schools have a tech ed department, but most school tech ed departments, they have a teacher, they have some space, but many, if not the majority are underfunded because school budgets are not real strong, which means you have maybe older equipment, unmaintained equipment, not a lot of equipment, certainly not state-of-the-art new equipment. So you're kind of working with old technology, maybe an older building. It's not really exciting. And kids nowadays, they like working with their hands on. If anything, they get too much screen time, too much video games, TV, all that electronics at home. So when they come and they kids, they don't really have an opportunity, I don't think at home, like we used to, to work with your hands and do projects like that. So I find that the majority of kids actually enjoy this, but they don't want to be out there just making garbage. They want to make high-end stuff. So that mm. means you need 
latest, you know, you need newer equipment, quality equipment where you can have successes. They want some of the flashy, you know, you need some CAD CAM softwares, 3D printers, CNC machining. I mean, we still make a lot of stuff on manual machines, but they want nice manual machines, nice welders, nice equipment that actually efficiently can work through and produce a quality product. And so that costs money. And so having a student run business, we just happen to call ours Cardinal Manufacturing because we're the Levistrom Cardinals. That's our mascot. Lots of schools are replicating what we're doing across the country. We've been holding a lot of workshops and you start with what you have. So we took our old equipment and we started talking to the kids and I got them excited. I'm like, you know, here's, why don't we do this? Why don't we take on real jobs? So it's relevant. Then you, you, you take on. So now you're working with your community. When did you start? I started this company, the student run business in 08, 2008. So we've been at it for a while and it starts slow. Like every company you start, just like almost every company starts in someone's garage or basement with a couple of employees. And we did too. We started with nine students working a couple hours a day with some pretty old equipment, but we made what we could. We took on jobs that we were capable of with our skills and our equipment We'd make 20, 50, 100, $200. We'd reinvest. We'd buy this newer welder, newer tooling, newer digital readout, newer measurement tools. And we began to build. And year one, we made some money. And year two, we made some more money. And year three, and the kids got the experience. I mean, what I really like is the fact that they have to meet with the customer. They may have to shake hands. They have to communicate. We can talk about being professional and appropriate dress and appropriate language and appropriate emailing and appropriate everything and ultimately take on the job just like it were a job shop order the material order the tooling manufacture the part make the calls make the invoice market it make the t-shirts make the website make the social media posts and just generate through and the kids get to experience all of it in the process they're generating funds to support the tech ed facility and allow us to upgrade we're having fun it's real life it's relevant people like in general helping people someone comes in they shake your hand they're happy with your work they thank you they're proud of it it's it's a fun it naturally builds relationships with the community naturally builds industry partners naturally creates funding while you're learning technical skills while you're learning employability skills soft skills all that together it all just happens at once And it really doesn't take like a whole lot of preparation because it just naturally happens and you just work through the problems. It can turn into some late nights and some extra work, but I really like the model and I've been doing it for 21 years and schools travel and visit us all the time and many across the country are are replicating this. How many students are involved in the program now and you are a relatively small high school, right? Yeah, we are, we graduate about 40 students a year. So we only have about 160, 170 ish in our entire high school, relatively small. And we have 22 kids in our program and it's only really a senior class. They start in sixth grade tech ed and they take all these classes where we're starting way back then talking about their attitude and their detailness and they're working on measurement and safety. And we build their skills from sixth grade all the way up to 11th grade. And then to get into cardinal manufacturing, not class you can just sign up for. You have to produce a portfolio and a resume and a cover letter and references. And we have interview process and they come in and then we select them based on their prior history and classes. When you say we select them, is this pretty much student run at this point where the students are the ones making those hiring decisions, if you want to call it that? Or I think you do because it really is a company. It is a company, but it's myself and our other teachers doing the hiring. We are the CS as the management or the owners of the shop. And we hire from our pool of people that we've been teaching for five years, grooming these kids ready for this position. And we hire them and we select them and they come in and then they have different roles. Currently we're at 22 student employees. We have office staff, we've built an office space and we have a marketing student who focuses solely on the marketing of all the clothing and pens and pencils and media and all kinds of fun stuff and, and the website and social media and stuff like that. Along with, we have a finance person, office managers who are doing all the invoicing, quoting, shipping, they're in charge of FedExing, anything transacting the money. We have a production manager who is scheduling all the jobs, uh, talking to customer, getting all the details, ordering material, ordering tooling, making sure the jobs are flowing, deadlines are met, things go out. That person works with the finance person to make sure they provide the how, how much the quote needs to be your invoice. We have an engineer that's doing our CAD CAM software, 3D printing, uh, print drawing, designing, getting things ready for the CNC machines. And we also have a project manager that can take on new initiatives we want to do in our company. That's in the office staff out on the shop floor. We have one maintenance person who's keeping the shop running, checking coolants, changing blades, sharpening, grinding, general maintenance, ordering supplies. We also have, uh, I forget, it changes by the year. We must have eight, nine machinists, seven, eight welders. Mm. 
we're a small company. We all overlap. I mean, there's times where we need the marketing person to be out in the shop drilling some holes. I mean, just because we need to do that. Sure. But for the most part, we have our general responsibilities and then we help wherever needed and we function with uh, 22 students running a manufacturing company. Cardinal, that's their mascot of the school. Is that where you got the name? Yep, that's where we get the mascot. There's lots of, if you look up uh, Tiger Manufacturing, this manufacturing, a lot of people are calling it manufacturing. Some people are starting student-run business. Ours revolves pretty much solely around metalworking. We're doing a lot of fabricating, a lot of MIG welding, TIG welding, stick welding, oxyacetylene. We have a handheld plasma. We have manual lathes, manual mills, CNC mills, CNC lathes. We do some laser engraving, shears, brakes, all that kind of stuff. But some other student-run companies are starting, you know, maybe in the wood manufacturing or maybe just the engineering side or the marketing side. As long as you're providing a service that's worth something, the real the real lessons, I think, are the, the process and the working together and the problem solving, the communication. Yeah, because a lot of those roles that you mentioned, of course, they're all needed in a manufacturing company, but finance, office manager, all these types of things are roles and you're essentially gaining skills that are so applicable. Think of a medical office. You're going to need an office manager. You're going to be talking to customers. It's... So not everyone needs to go into manufacturing who is graduating from your program. It really is life skills. And then there, we've developed a scholarship. So these kids, we take a, a lot of the industry partners have been willing to give scholarships. So we're up to a pool of $65,000 a year that we can pass out just to this small group of kids. So wow. a lot of them are seeing significant scholarships. 10,000 and above is not uncommon my son just graduated last year and he was in the program and he went to get a two-year technical college. And I think the total out of pocket was like 20, say three, four, or $5,000. And I think he got like 19,000 in scholarships. I mean, it literally cost him $5,000 to get a two-year degree. And that's his living expenses, everything, dorm room food. So it's just a handful of thousands. And that's not that unnormal. And then they also get a profit sharing check. So they get money that they get for incentive to working here. And now our new initiative is we're really, and I already got quite a few of them started, but we're looking at uh, Roth RAs and retirement planning in high school. And to you maybe roll some of your profit sharing from your cardinal manufacturing check right into your retirement. We're really educating them on the retirement process because from our financial advisor's point, it's too late. If you wait until you're 30 some years old, you can retire pretty young and it doesn't cost a lot of money. If you start when you're 17 years old, putting away for retirement. That is a fantastic idea. I really like that. And we're also, we're, we're doing a lot of, you know, budgeting and personal finance. I mean, we're, we got, you know, we're going to zoom in next week with uh, banks and talk about home loans and vehicle loans and, and interest rates and talk to our insurance company and understand home insurance and car insurance and just life skills and how this all works. Cause they're all going to make money. And that's not the hard part to make 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a year, but what do you do with it? And how do you get ahead in life? And how do you retire with that kind of money? You don't have to make them 200,000 a year if you manage your money properly. And so we're trying to teach money management, company management, good employability skills, professionalism, soft skills, pay it forward, technical skills, everything at once, and just kind of make it relevant in class and have fun with it too. Can you drill in on, and maybe you have already talked about some of the soft skills in particular, but when you say that, what do you mean by soft skills? Yeah. I mean, like, it's awesome when we get feedback from our people that visit and say like, I can't believe it. I've never seen, you know, 22 kids working independently in school. When, when I like it, when I can, when I can have a guest come in and me and him can, or her can stand there for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes and they just start looking around and everybody's moving and things are getting done and problems are being solved and people are on the phone and ship boxes are going in and out and things are happening. And so what I mean is like, just always being appropriate. And we talk about that appropriate. I mean, if they're with their buddies, that might be a different approach. If a customer walks in that door, I mean, everything from, we need someone to greet them. We need to shake their hand. We need to introduce them ourselves to them. We need to welcome them. We need to be dressed professional. Radio needs to be at appropriate volume. We need to be doing appropriate things. I mean, safety wise. I mean, we just want them to be, when they come in, we want first impressions to be, wow, this is unbelievable. This is not we don't want them to be like, just, we don't want the comment to say, I guess they're just high schoolers. I guess that's all we can expect. We want the quality of our products. We want to believe, I can't believe this was built by a high school student. When they come into our shop, we want it spotless, clean, organized, detailed, lean, efficient, and running smoothly. So we work on everything from tucking in our shirt to wearing embroidered matching logo clothing. When we go on a field trip, 
the only response we is acceptable at the end of the field trip is we better have the comment saying this is the best group of kids that has ever toured this company in the history of this company. Then we've done our job. Well, I'm seeing you in a great looking button down, bright cardinal red shirt right now. And I think that that's really important for the team building, the culture aspect. And are those items, the t-shirts that are in the photos I've seen created by the students? Is that what the marketing person's doing for your? Yeah. The, you know, that's the, the marketing team is putting together ideas and then they're bringing it to the class and we're discussing it. It's ultimately their money we're spending on it. We're kind of voting on it. We're making pros and cons. The teachers are putting an input, but yeah, we all have matching. We have button down shirts. We have polo shirts we can wear to different events. We have t-shirts, which are more casual events. If we're going someplace, we're most likely going to say, everybody's in jeans and cardinal manufacturer t-shirts on the way there even though we have cardinal manufacturer hats that's not for any school function that's only for weekend use the next day we're probably going to show up in a casual uh, polo shirt tucked in belts on shoes we're going to then maybe if we got to go more up we're going to wear our button down shirts we have all the way we have playing cards that one company made for us a cardinal manufacturing playing cards which brings pride and fun to the students but also pride to our community the grandparents we make cardinal manufacturing dice in the shop we pass out. We even have cardinal manufacturing daredevil fishing lures. One company made us. <laughs> we have, you name it, we got, we had cardinal manufacturing tennis shoes printed by Nike. I mean, we have jackets, we have hooded sweatshirts, we got, you name it, we pretty much got it. But they, they like that. It's fun for that. It makes one person. But, one it's, be, but beyond that, and the reason I'd ask a little bit more about that is we did that sort of thing at Rapid, the company that I had founded. And those items bring the team together and you are doing it at the school you're teaching them and hopefully they'll bring it into the places where they are employed later on but an owner listening today these are something you could ask yourself am i doing it now because there's so many positive benefits in creating that culture creating that pride of the company you work for yeah. And I haven't thought of this. We haven't done this yet, but if you're a owner listening now and your local school wants to do something like this, you could sponsor their shirts and then put your logo on the sleeve or something. Those kids start having that name recognition and our local companies are genius. I mean, they, they support us, they help us, they come in here, but they're getting their name recognition in front of those kids all the time. The kids know the names, of the local manufacturer, they know the owner on a first name basis. So when they think about a job, I mean, they know where they're going or the owners are even in here soliciting these kids for jobs and, you know, and offering good opportunities. Talk about that, how the program has benefited the community. And let's first talk about the companies who are hiring the students, but also the community at large, even beyond that. Yeah. I mean, just the community in general, we are kind of their repair shop. I mean, we don't care if it's the snowblower that won't start, we'll clean the carburetor. If it's the need new blades, skid blade, if it's the local excavator that broke something, we'll make manufacture a pin, a shaft. It's the local mm. black topping company. If it's the local car wash, we fix, we weld on the, fix up the night deposit box for the stainless out of the bank. We fix the uh, stainless stuff in the <laughs> neat locker plant stuff for the hardware store, the churches, we'll build a railing, we'll do anything. And so we're helping all the community doing these odd job shop type, small type things. And then for the manufacturers, we actually don't do really any manufacturing that of parts for the bigger manufacturers. We'll work with their maintenance department and do more of their stuff that they, that, so they, they can a smaller uh, internal shop improvement project or a maintenance project for the company and more of that one of a kind, just niche stuff. So they don't have to take their production people and their high-end machinists that are making good money in their $300,000 machines or whatever, 200,000 to run this stuff. You know, we can do that on a Bridgeport at the high school or run it on a, our, you know, smaller equipment in here. So it's good for the community. It saves them money and they have a place to go to. They're proud to sponsor the high school. They're helping support their tech ed program. They're providing cash flow to the high school, providing a learning opportunity for the high school kids. The kids feel like they're giving back to the community, which they are. I mean, we work with the industry. We develop partnerships. The industry people know who we are. They know us. We're on a first name basis. A lot of companies I've heard in the past that, Companies would like, and they would, they're generous people and they would help their schools. The problem is they really don't know how to help. They don't know because they don't have their relationship. So they don't know what the high school can use, how they could use it. They don't always think of the high school. And of course, they're really busy and they just don't take the time to make that relationship. And that relationship is important. To, I would highly recommend that if you're a, a company owner, that you should get to know your 
local tech ed teacher, if not knowing the couple, two, three tech ed school districts around you. And then, you know, a lot of times it's not just giving lots of money. Sometimes just actually getting rid of stuff you can't use anymore. And it can be a tax write-off for you. So it can be a win-win situation. When you started in 2008, I believe, and it seems like you grew fairly rapidly in your program. And I think it was because of the or some of it was the outreach, which you did to bring those local manufacturing companies into the program to get them to contribute and work with you and the school. Because you started with roughly $10,000 and permission to use the space to create a for-profit company run by the students. How did it grow so fast? And what were some of the, conversely, the hurdles that you had to overcome early on? Yeah, early on, it was tough. I mean, early on, the equipment was bad. The the students were not, their skills were not up to speed. So the hurdles were, you know, just daily grinding it out and trying to just not make excuses and not say, I'll find all the reasons why we can't get it done. It doesn't matter. We need to get it done. It just, if we need to work till midnight on the project, we're going to get it done. If we have to drive an hour away and get material, we, we're going to go get it. If we got to order tooling, we're going to order it. That's where the teacher has to be on board because those first couple of years, I mean, it was my truck, my trailer, my gas, my money, my credit card going on the line, really sticking out there to get this going because ultimately the companies want to work with us. The community wants to work with you. But if you can't produce a quality product on time, they can't afford to work with you. So you can't you can't t- think mm. of it as normal school. You can't just take on a project and get it done six months later. It's got to be in out at a relatively rapid pace. I mean, they understand, but it's got to be weeks, not months. Days are preferably... So the teacher does have to be on board. I mean, you need the companies to really support you. You need the school administration to support you. The students are going to be there. They're always there. They love this stuff. They'll, they love staying late at night. I mean, you got to buy some pizza, some Mountain Dew, <laughs> turn the radio up and go to work, but things are going to break and it's going to be frustrating and you got to fix stuff and you got to, you know, just go at it. It's, it's hard work. It's like starting any company. The first five years, you're not going to be extremely profitable. You're going to put in a pile of hours. You might even go backwards on your money for the first year or two, but eventually you come out of it and now it's super rewarding and fun to be here and things are streamlined and we have process in place and material gets delivered and we have vendors set up and we have, you know, cardinal manufacturing credit cards and payment options and office staff and my life is a lot easier than it was 12 years ago. Probably like many successful job shop owners, the folks look at you and where you stand today and a job shop owner who's been in business for a while and it looks easy now, but early on. And do you think that if you hadn't actually been in in the machining business as you were while you were going to school, that you would understand the commitment that was required to get through those first five years? Is that an essential part of beyond the, the teaching, making this reality? I certainly think it helped because a lot of times as a as a t- college student and getting a tech ed degree, they don't cover the skill level that you get from working in a job shop or manufacturing environment and understanding the expectations of the customers that you can't just say later. It's we're, we need that. If we said that part is due on Friday. That part is due on Friday. We're working on parts today that we said are due on Friday and we're doing really good now because I got kids in here working and the equipment's rolling and equipment's in good shape. And it, it's easy to hit deadlines now, easier. I mean, obviously things happen, but it, it's much easier. So yeah, I think it's important if, if you, if a job shop owner connects with a teacher and he's ambitious and has the right attitude and understands the 10 commandments and doesn't have the technical skills, probably that person I've seen this where you, you, Bring, your, bring that teacher in and pay them, employ them over the summertime for a year or two to bring them up to speed. It's a win-win. Ah. The teacher comes out, makes a few extra bucks in the summer. You get someone in your company, a, probably a pretty good employee. They're probably pretty motivated to learn. That, that, and then you take that, those skills back. I, that's a fantastic idea. That never occurred to me. But what a great win-win is for you as an owner to bring that tech ed teacher on board in the summer. You you help them get a skill level and for your own benefit, they are learning about you and your company and hopefully they will refer their students to you. And I love that idea. If you hire a student, which a lot of my students get jobs at local shops, if you Mm -hmm. hire a student, you train them, they might uh, stay with you and they might be a future employee. But if you train the teacher, he'll go back and train. I got 205 kids a day coming through here. I can influence and teach, you know, and that's the same thing. If, 
one of our local shops gave us a Mazak turning center. You know, that might be a $30,000 used machine, but if he kept that 30,000 in his shop and he wanted to train people, he would have to pay for the coolant and the tooling and the material and the teacher essentially have to tell someone to teach. And he's going to teach one kid at a time with it. Give it to us. It's our electricity, our tooling, our everything. This is a huge point because it is much less expensive and more compounding to put your, I'll say time and energy, but perhaps more importantly, your money into your local tech ed department at the high school. And, you know, I'll extend that even to the community college level, but yes, all the things that you just spoke about, you have to cover all those in your shop and you're probably taking away somebody really skilled to do the teaching. Yep. And then once you put it in an environment like a student or in business, it's not that you have to give money or machining like on a yearly thing, the, mm. the company becomes self-sustaining. So right. The, the, right now, cardinal manufacturing makes plenty of money to sustain itself. Now we don't necessarily make enough money to buy brand new do CNC machines every year. So we do really appreciate a donation once in a while of a used machine or we catch a grant here or there. So it's not like we don't appreciate that, but we it isn't the company's responsibility to cut $20,000 checks on a yearly basis. Help when you can, when you got an older machine and you're going to get rid of it and ready to take, instead of taking a little bit of trade-in value, you know, the opportunity is there to give it to the high school. When the opportunity exists to donate some tooling that you're no longer using, or maybe to over and you let a maintenance person go over and assist a little bit, or you got an old forklift and you're getting a new one, just kind of as needed. So we have so many partners we've developed across the country that I don't think it's a huge burden on any one person. They're kind of giving us stuff and helping and they're ready. They're, they're willing to give us an hour here, an hour. They're not every week, but when my limits as a teacher are met, they're not afraid we can call them and they'll come over and spend an hour or two helping a student on a challenging project, helping them on a CAD CAM thing, helping them program something. But it's just an hour or two. It's not a, it's not a weekly commitment. It's not even a, it's not even a monthly commitment, but it's a 10 times a year, five times a year help for two, three hours a time. We're just looking for that 20, 30, 40 hours a year. And just a maybe a piece of donation when it works. Some companies may not give you nothing for five years and all of a sudden they call you up and say, Hey, I got this. So it's, you know, that's where the, the companies and that's where you have a lot of partners. You don't, mm. you don't, the one partner shouldn't have to, you know, put the bill on the, on the high school and the high school should kind of generate its own money. Yeah. We had Matt Goosey of MRS machining on the podcast. And I know that he and his father were involved with Cardinal early on. Can you just talk about how they worked with you, how they helped you make the program happen and how he supports you now? And maybe gets into even into that why they why beyond the fact that they are just giving people. Exactly. Matt and his dad have been from the beginning and continue to be very strong supporters. They're actually about 25 miles away. We're not actually in their school district, but they just choose to support us because they believe in what we're doing. They're just good giving people. They believe in the whole paying it forward, helping people out because it's the right thing. And just helping the right people and not understanding that not every student is going to go to their company. They're not hoping for every student. They're just doing the right thing and they know they will be rewarded at some point and they have hired and have retained some of our students and they're doing very well and been there for many years. They help us whenever and however they can. It's not a weekly commitment. We Matt gave us a Mazak turning center. You know, he gave us a really nice machine. He his company is all Mazak, so that's they're experts in that area. We can on a daily basis use that machine, train kids on it. If we run into a little trouble, he is willing to come over and spend a couple hours with a kid. Matt's great. I mean, I can, Matt's willing to let the students have his cell phone. The students can text, call, Snapchat wow. him and say, Matt, I'm having a problem. Sometimes Matt is involved with a student helping him and I don't even need to know about it. The kid can contact Matt directly. Sometimes Matt shows up, comes in, walks over to the kid. It's been spent a couple hours there. I'm busy doing my thing and Matt will come see me and say, oh, see you later. It's back running good and great. You know, I don't, that's even better in my opinion. <laughs> if the student can contact the business owners. Well, kudos to you for creating that environment where the shop owners can and are willing to do that with your student body. You have the skills, the commandments that you have embodied in them, I think are the reason the shop owners will want to give out their cell phone numbers because they know it won't be abused and it's a... It's a win-win for, for both parties. Right. And then 
I mean, I think that's so important to create the culture because a shop owner doesn't want to. And as a teacher, you can't have them coming in. If, if you're going to come into a chaotic, disorderly, unsafe environment, they want to help where they see their money being used wisely. So when they walk into a well-lit, well-dressed students, where they're all working safely, that's the environment they want to come into and they want to support that. So the culture is really important to get that. And then you can have those conversations and it's real. It's not just like telling them, well, you need to do this because why? Well, no one's ever going to come in here at any given moment, someone's going to walk through our door and we can't be caught off guard ever. So we, we have very mm. important that we are in a professional state all the time. And if there ever is a mistake, that's really relevant. Call more and say, look what just happened. And this cannot happen again. And this, this, and this. So we have them talks often and that's where you want to get though. You want to get where the companies and then Matt's genius. I mean, he meet, he knows these kids on a first name basis. It's he invites them over, he invites their parents to tour his company, he invites them, feed them pizza. Hey, come over. I'll buy you guys ice cream. We'll do this. You know, just get that relationship built. If you ever want a job, you know, come talk yeah. to me, things like that. Yeah. I also think the conversely, how you bring the community into the school, into the company and you've done and maybe this is the marketing person or the it has evolved, but you have some big open houses. You have some serious dollar raffles. You have some, uh, I think the Green Bay Packers have come in at times and other local celebrities. And you truly, for a school your size, make it a, a big, big part of the community. Can you just share with these owners what the impact is there and why people want to participate that who may have no interest in manufacturing at all. Yeah. I, I think it's because we're really t stressing that we're teaching soft skills, employability skills, good people. We're just trying to make good people, hardworking uh, people that work together and the community is behind it and the companies are behind it. And we're a really small school in the middle of nowhere. And yet we can have, it started out our open house. And so you're right. The students actually plan the event and run the event. And it's a lot of work. I mean, we're, we're bringing about a thousand people into our shop at, during that night. And we have live demonstrations and we got the CNC machines running. We're giving widgets away and we got 3d printers running and we got colleges there and technical college. And we have, it's basically like a job fair and you got companies there representing and tooling people. And we're serving hot dogs and Culver's <laughs> donates all the custard. And we got bratwurst donating from the local place. And we got community members helping and we'll raise, I think last year, the one three, 23, $24,000 in one night. Most yeah. of the schools, our size will maybe get a school budget of 10, 15,000 a year to teach all the kids. We're making two years worth of budget in one night, let alone still getting our budget, let alone cardinal manufacturing making a hundred plus thousand dollars a year. Now you can get somewhere. Now you can have nice stuff. You can afford the nice clothing, the t-shirts, the nicer C and C's. And not only that, so much of our stuff has been donated to us. And we have so many partners that donate or discount our products. So our money gets stretched further. So it's allowed us to really grow our program. And we're excited to even keep growing. We're right in the middle of a big remodel right now, cutting in windows, exterior paint, wow. tin, all new paint, tin inside, brightening our shop up and things like that. So we just keep going every year. And that's being paid for from the money that's generated from the program primarily? This latest shop improvement project is an Ashley Furniture initiative because their corporate is right down the road here. So they're really sponsoring and trying to make us into a model school to showcase. And they have us talking to their other companies or they're in different parts of the country and mm. looking to replicate what we're doing here because they see it as an ideal model and a way to build a, build a workforce in their areas. Love it. I'm a shop owner who's listening. I'm in New Hampshire. So let's say it's someone in New Hampshire or in New England or could be California. And I'm excited. I want to help my local high school create our version of Cardinal Manufacturing. Where do I get started? We've had so much requests for this in the years. So we actually started holding all day Cardinal Manufacturing workshops where we've had schools from Connecticut to California to all over the country and the Midwest and everywhere. And they fly up and they come in here. And of kids, of course, the kids set it up, they organize it, they put it on, they present, they talk, I talk, they showcase, they see our running shop, they see our facility, they watch it all day, they spend eight hours here, we feed them lunch, eat, mm. eat lunch with the kids, eat, eat with our local industry partners, ask lots of questions, tour our stuff. That's the best way. We will continue to have those once we can. We've actually kind of stopped since last March, but we're, sure. we're getting a lot of requests. We're thinking we might have to go and do something virtually, but, and you know, so that's ideal if you can really understand it, but ultimately you just got to meet with your high school. I mean, if I'm a business owner, 
I'm going into my local high school and mm -hmm. I'm introducing myself and I'm starting to throw some ideas around and how do we work together and have you heard of this? And maybe you're watching a few YouTube videos about what we're doing. We're not the only ones. There's a lot of people popping up. I mean, there's probably hundreds doing this now. We've met with hundreds of schools over the last few years. You're looking at websites, watching this stuff. It's just building a business. As an as a business owner, you know how to run a business. Now you just got to figure out how to do it with kids in a, on a schedule where you got a few other complications. We're happy to help. I'd be happy to talk to people on the phone, Zoom, email. Let's say we, we've got the person heading up the tech ed department on board. Who else within the school, within the school district, what type of relationships do you have to build and make sure that you have everybody on board so yeah. that somebody doesn't sabotage you. Right. You're, you're going to need to have a plan in place kind of, and kind of a rough plan and kind of descriptive. And you're going to have to run it past school administration, probably the superintendent, and the principal, because this is truly a class. All, all cardinal mm -hmm. manufacturing is, is a class. So the kids ultimately sign up for this class. And so you're probably going to have to get it approved by the school board to start a new class called car, some, whatever you're going to call it. It's your student run business. Mm -hmm. And in order to get the kids ready for that class, you probably, most schools already have welding, machining, woodworking courses in VLC. They take those courses first as like prerequisites. And then this new course is gets added. You're going to have to make sure, you know, the shop, if it's not, but ours with a lot of shops, it's okay. I mean, you start businesses, you don't have to wait until it's perfect to start your business. You, you can right. start with what you have, just like everybody does. At some point, you just have to start because you can't have this million dollar building and all the perfect equipment, and all the office space and everybody dialed in and already have 50 employees. You have to start small and then you grow. And so, yeah, I mean, my advice is you, if you're a business owner, your first step is you got to introduce yourself. You got to meet that tech ed teacher and you got to start that relationship and you got to start talking. And I'd start by inviting them over to your shop and, and show them what you do. And then, you know, get invited to the school and see what they got and start, how do we work together? And if you don't have the skills, can I hire you next summer to be in my shop? And pretty soon we know each other on a first name basis. And if for some reason it's not working and not clicking with that teacher, there's another school 20 miles away. Just go to that school and go to the next school. You don't have to be right next to each other. And once you think you got someone you want to work with, you go to the school administration and pretty soon you formulate a plan. You might involve the guidance counselor and pretty soon the kids are there. They got them and then you're off and running and then you start slow and you grow fast. And Cardinal Manufacturing has a website, cardinalmanufacturing.org, not .com. I went to the cardinalmanufacturing.com and there is a there is a manufacturing company by that name. So .org. You have a lot of information there, a lot of resources, videos, photographs, articles. And you mentioned, I think, YouTube and I know the Facebook as well is another place where there's a lot of information on Cardinal where as someone interested would be able to get a better understanding of what you're doing, what your program's all about. But also, it's certainly easy to share and videos are so powerful with people who might be interested in your own school district or the one 20 miles away. Yep. And on our website, we do have it. It's a little dated, but we do have about a 50 page paper about our student run business and how we did it. Right now, the Koch Foundation is funding us to write a new cardinal manufacturing book. And it's the insights and it talks about all the relationships and partnerships and soft skills and all the insight. It's going to be about a hundred page book I'm writing hmm. um, to share all this message, you know, in the deeper version of what we're doing today. And then also we're building position guides for every position within the business. We're building a guidebook so students could almost like a work Book. So it's going to be mm. kind of canned. Hopefully that's all going to be done in the next year or so. And that'll all be available for free on our website too. Actually, we're going to start a new website to promote that because the Coke is funding that product. And then they, their, their motive is that we give all this away to any school or any business owner that wants to have everything we're doing. And so we're happy to share everything we do for free. That is amazing. And thank you. <laughs> what you already have is is incredible and such a guide to getting started, but to formalize it like that, standardize it, create the template will be super helpful. The challenge of starting a business is that there's things that you don't anticipate, no matter how much you plan. What are some things that people might not anticipate, hurdles they might run into? Is there anything you can share there so that they're not as surprised trying to knock some of those off? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll just start up funds. We didn't really hardly have any startup funds. We had to use the equipment we had. I came in that first year. I mean, they gave me the normal budget, $10,000, whatever. So you had a little bit of something to kind of make a few decisions and buy a few more tools, but you had to use that money for the whole year. We had to try and start making money because but they actually, the school had to let, allow us go backwards. I mean, we have an activity account where we keep our money now, uh-huh. and but you have to buy the material, buy the tooling, do the job, and maybe not get paid until 30 days after the, the stuff is delivered. So fortunately, in my situation, the school was willing, I think we were at least $3,000 backwards before we made our first dollar going forward. And then <laughs> by the end of the school year, we had only made the first year, I think we only profited about $3,000 that first year. We worked really hard all year, late nights to really profit $3,000, which is not a ton of money. I mean, that's, that's nothing per hour, but right. that's how you start. And then the next year, a little more, the next year, a little more. And now we have a nice pot of savings there that it's okay if we spend $5,000 and don't get it back until eight weeks later. How about you personally, though, in the early days, you mentioned charging stuff, using your truck, gas, and those are legitimate things to run the program, but a lot of times they're hard to be reimbursed for by the school. Were there challenges there and how did you communicate that you needed to be refunded for some of those expenses? Well, for the most part, I wasn't reinforced because I just wanted to do this and it was just me making that decision. Oh, well, that, well that's okay. So that's important yeah. is it's a commitment it, yeah. and, and it's not just a time commitment and an energy commitment, but it may be a personal financial commitment. Yep. By- you know, it wasn't thousands and thousands of dollars, but it's definitely on a weekly basis back then. It might've been, you know, an extra two or three hours at night to drive to the steel once a week. It might've been $20 in gas. It might've mm-hmm. been, you know, I could place an order for the tooling through school, but all we needed this tap really quick. So it might be 30, 40 bucks. So yep. it was faster to use my credit card. So there was time, there was money, but in time, what you do is you figure, well, for one is you stock more tooling. So you have the tooling you need, you find a way to have more partnerships. You have more vendors all set up. Because now if we want something, we can just make a phone call and the tooling's coming, the material's coming, it all gets delivered. So I'm, I don't have to go get it. And then the bill comes at the end of the month. And then our finance people can pay it at the end of the month out of cardinal manufacturing funds. We now have a cardinal manufacturing credit card, so we can buy online. I can take it someplace. Mm-hmm. I can swipe it. Everything is set up to be a lot easier, but like anything, the first time you do something, it's clunky, you're learning, you don't have good processes. Schools in general are not fast at processing and you need to find a way how you're going to be able to purchase fast. And so so I'm, I'm thinking as a job shop owner, maybe I'm buried, but you're not talking about a lot of money in the first year or two, but it's a lot of money to a teacher. Mm -hmm. So Maybe you could be a financial resource and front the money or somehow contribute to those little odds and ends and just make the life of the teacher a little easier, particularly, I don't know what your personal situation was, and but if you've got a tech ed teacher who is married with a family with kids in school, they may not have a lot of cash to spare, even the $20, $30 in gas. So it's a way that you can contribute even if you are busy. Yep. No, that's totally, I mean, as a starting teacher, I was making $31,000 a year and spending, you know, what are you taking home? 20 <laughs> and spending three, 4,000 on school. I mean, that's a pretty substantial yeah. number when you're doing that. So no, that would be greatly appreciated. Or maybe I was just anxious to get it going and want, well, I was willing to do that and overcome that. But if you yeah, planned ahead better, you'd have some, maybe the, maybe there's a startup fund, maybe there's $5,000 pot. So the mm. teacher can draw from that um, before you make your first money, you know, mm-hmm. you have that numbers like that. We're not talking 50,000, but we're talking a few right. thousand. Right. Some of the activities that you talked about in the early days, you have figured out a untapped resource that you just makes you and the student's life a lot easier. And that's retirees. How are retirees working within Cardinal Manufacturing and the greater tech ed department to help out? Yeah, retirees are awesome. They've made my life so easy because it used to be when I moved to this community, I didn't have, I wasn't real established. I didn't know it. So I, I naturally just did everything myself or tried to overcome, which took time and money. Now, um, like I've said, first of all, we have vendors set up, but when we do need to go get something, instead of me driving at five o'clock at night to go get it, when the companies are kind of closing, 
I have a wealth of, of retired people that I can simply make a quick phone call and say, hey, can you run, get this, run, get that? They're happy to come in. We as a tech ed department built a tandem axle trailer. They come in, they're willing to donate their time. They're willing to donate their gas. We're just, they're donating that five, 10, $15 in gas. They hook onto our trailer. They go, they get something loaded. They bring it back. They drop it off during school hours. So instead of me unloading at eight o'clock tonight, the students are there to help me unload it. It's just helping everywhere. Not only as far as the delivery, the hauling, all that, they all have contacts and they know people who know people and they all have years of experience in different areas. So when we needed to do a remodel, we need to knock down a mace concrete block wall. We hired, we didn't have to hire. They donated their time, volunteered for uh, retired masons to put our block walls up. I mean, the kids did the knocking down the demolition and even worked mm -hmm. with them to put it back up. We had their expertise. So it looks professional. We got people that were machine builders and heavy in the electronics and the and that where they can come in and diagnose and fix a switch or a you know bandsaw electric some sort of circuit board. I mean, we got people that are good at electrical. Now as I'm getting plumbers, you know, all that stuff where they come in and help you, whether it's airlines or you know, whatever, running whatever product, just doing shop repair maintenance, come in, they're happy to come in. They're happy to work with the students. And a lot of times students work with them. So they learn and it gives me an opportunity to teach too. It's like, well, here's how you're going to treat this, you know, person and make sure you thank them, make sure you're super polite, friendly, professional. Mm -hmm. And those retired people love coming work, especially when that's the response they get. When they come into a nice environment that's well lit and heated and kids are working safely and the students are polite and friendly to them, they enjoy that environment. Give them the t-shirts, the shirts, the jackets, the hooded sweatshirts to wear around town. Give them the playing cards, the fishing lures. You know, that's our payment to them is giving them, you know, we might buy them a $50 jacket. It's a cardo manufacturer, a hooded sweatshirt or t-shirt. Right, right. That's, that's their payment for us. for working. Yeah, but they, they love wearing that around in the community. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's just more help. I mean, so now I'm really just, I mean, the teacher has to be able to give up control and understand that you don't need to be the expert in the building and you don't need, you just got to let the students, in the perfect world, I would do nothing but stand there and watch it happen because the kids have the responsibilities. I mean, the, the industry reporters help, the community helps, the retired people help, the support. And, you know, I'm just there to kind of be the middle person to facilitate it all. Make the phone. I spend a lot of time on the phone, the email, Zoom, and that's the majority of my job right now is just coordinating. It's really just becoming the shop owner or manager, not the floor production manager anymore. You just mentioned something that is the crux of a, I'll call it the working less hard as a shop owner. And that's learning the ability to give up things and realize you don't have to do everything. And even if something's not done the way that you want it to be done, it doesn't mean it's done wrong. It's just a different way of doing it as long as the result is satisfactory. And I commend you for developing that skill set because it's really hard to figure that out. And that though is something that would be important for the leader of a student-run manufacturing organization to really think about if, if they're able to do that because you, at least in my opinion, want the students to have that responsibility and they will fail. And that's okay because school is learning how to get beyond your failures. So. Yeah. It is, it is perfectly fine to make mistakes, especially in high school. I mean, what better place to make mistakes? Right. There's consequences. We make mistakes. We sit down. I have the ability, and companies probably can't do this, because if my students make mistakes, I can shut the entire 22, the whole company down, bring them in, sit them down, and say, let's talk about what just happened. Why did that go bad? Now, I don't know if a company can afford to sit down their whole company for very long, because they got to keep production right. rolling. But we have that luxury and that's my job is to teach them so that when they leave high school, they have technical skills, they have employability skills, soft skills, communication skills, problem skills, financial skills, retirement planning skills, career planning skills, knowledge. They're ready to go off and be 18 years old and go follow their plan and be successful. Well, what's next with Cardinal Manufacturing and with Craig? Where are you going from here? Well, we're going to finish this big remodel and we're going to make this place look amazing and cleaned up and better than it ever has. And then we're going to finish our Coke Foundation project with the book and mm -hmm. all the guidebooks and all that stuff. And then 
we're going to keep helping other schools around the country implement a similar program. We can envision down the road having more workshops, more traveling, more speaking engagements, more consulting, more, where is it going? Oh, we're going to, we could envision having even a national conference at some point with all the student run businesses in the country. Mm. We're going to have them pinned on a map so we know where each other are and stay in communication to help each other. I'd like to have a cardinal manufacturing class reunion at some point now that we're 12 years in and maybe a 15 or 20 year, bring all the kids back and hear how successful they are and where they're at and what they're doing. Cause I've, I keep in touch with a lot of them and I try and hear a lot of good stories and it's fun, but I certainly haven't kept up with every one of them. And then I don't know, you know, then I just keep growing and I got to start thinking about my replacement down the road. I probably got another 10, 15 years here. So I got to find some second, third grader that's going to take my job right now. The time they graduate with the high school, groom them. We just hired Tyson Roshib. He is our second teacher. We've grown the program to a point where it was necessary to have two teachers. I mean, I started out teaching in our small school, maybe 50, 60 kids a day. And now we're at 205 kids a day. We have two full-time teachers. Tyson is a former student. Tyson went off, got a machine tool degree. Tyson's got a mm. teaching degree. He's back. He's 23 years old, doing an amazing job. We hired our program coordinator. She was our first office manager, Tally Berger. She went off, got a business degree. She's back running the the business side of it, all the scholarships, grants, office staff. We've grown from one person to three people. Yeah, we're just going to keep going. And and then I could see myself, you know, retiring, I think at a semi-young age. And I'd be thinking it'd be fun for me to help other schools start and just kind of consult and travel and be involved and come back and help these guys and be the volunteer, that retired volunteer and do that and see where it takes me. (laughs) And do something beyond drive the truck to pick up parts or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they always say what what they're going to do is I, I'm known for these kids. When they aren't responding the way we want, my usually thing is sit them down and talk them to death. And <laughs> they either, I explain it to them. I don't yell at them. We, in a nice humorous way, we're all smiling. And they know they either have to endure this long lecture and they either curve to do what I want based on they actually understand or they're really sick of hearing me talk about it. And so they say, if there's problems, once I'm gone, they're going to threaten the kids. I'll get them on the phone and I'll bring them back in here and I'll come <laughs> back in and sit them down for these long, in the early days, they were called GPS speeches because they, they coined them as it was GPS for good person speech. And they, <laughs> they heard that there was going to be a good person. I mean, they can go for hours. They can be an hour too long. Now it's kind of more of a 10 commandment speech. But either way, lots of mentoring and lots of discussing in friendly way where I think we can, I'm never yelling or screaming at him. It's always in, I'm, I'm only going to do this because I, said, I think it's in your best interest. So mm-hmm. thank me when we're done here, because you should appreciate my talk. Craig, I'm blown away, not only with what you have spearheaded and accomplished, but how you've been able to bridge the gap between industry and education. And we often hear about the skills gap existing for custom manufacturing. Cardinals, an example of how we can narrow that gap and really embed manufacturing into the fabric of our communities. The, the school is, is not an island. It's a part of the community ecosystem. So thank you for having the courage many years ago to try something different and for opening up your wallet when it probably hurt. So I'm so happy we got to speak today. And I really appreciate you taking some time that would otherwise be spent taking those kids to the next level or maybe giving someone a GPS speech. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that story with us. Any last comments, advice, anything else you want to put out there? I think our last thing is, is just the attitude. And we kind of learned this from a student a couple of years ago, me and Tyson, and we no longer have problems. There's never a problem in here. We know nothing ever. It all we have is inconveniences. I mean, sometimes <laughs> this way when, I mean, the thing wheels are falling off and the machine's breaking and everything's going wrong and it's just bad. And it's costing us money. And the kid would walk up and he goes, you know, that's not very convenient, is it? And he just has such a good sense of humor. It's like, you know, it isn't very convenient right now. You know, it's, it, but he'd say, not a problem. It's, we have no problems here. This is just simply an inconvenience that we need to work around. And if you look at everything in life that way, and now we joke like that all the time. And the kids are just like, you know, I mean, we just wrecked something, hundreds of dollars, thousands. It's like, well, that's inconvenient. And, you know, and that's just how we approach things. So we're never upset. We're never getting rattled. We're never getting flustered. We're never yelling at each other where we now all of a sudden we got to repair that relationship. And then food goes a long ways. I mean, food is cheap. Soda and food is cheap. And if you buy mm. people food and soda, they'll do anything for you. 
So if a kid comes in, you buy them lunch, you buy them pizza. If they stay, you buy, you buy, you see them at the local cafe, you buy their food. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how far a few dollars in food and soda goes. I totally agree. Totally agree. How can people reach you? Go to our website. It's got our email, phone numbers, call us, text us, uh, email, whatever. We're happy to talk about it. I've talked about this to a million people over the last 20 years and I, it's rewarding. I'm happy to share. We'll work with you if you want to contact us and it doesn't take long. We can get you pointed in the right direction and then let you go from there. And a lot of times after that, it's just like the company owner. It's just maybe an email or a phone call every few months to kind of, Hey, what would you do here? What do you think of this? And, and I don't have any answers. I just make it up as I go, but I can, you know, go off my past experience a little bit sometimes. And sometimes if it, if a five minute phone call saves you five hours, it's worth it. Well, thanks for being willing to do that, willing to share with our audience. And for the listeners, are you as fired up as I am? What I love more than anything about this is that it's an idea that can be executed anywhere in the country. And Cardinal Manufacturing has given us a proven path on how it can be done, the benefits to everyone involved. It's not just theory. So my question to you is, whether you want to go to this full extent or not, do you know your local high school tech ed teacher? When's the last time you reached out to them? When's the last time you bought them lunch, took them out to lunch? Is there anything you can do to help them, your school, the students? It might just be as simple as donating some scrap material. Just do something to get started. So until next time, keep those spindles turning and those lasers cutting. Have a fantastic day.